Hello. Hello. Hi, Dan. Good early morning to you. Yeah, how are you today? Doing fine. Doing fine. Yeah, good. Yeah. How, good, how about good. you? You just you just wake up, I think, right? Or yeah, yeah. I just woke up. Just just uh, just getting started. Another another day in paradise here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's really, you know, that's where I'm coming from. That's all you got. That's all you, yeah, how was your birthday? Happy birthday. I, I understand you at the start. took a little trip and, uh, maybe it went well. Hmm. Yeah. We, um, you know, I never liked to celebrate my birthday from the time I was probably 16 on. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, just sort of embarrassing um to be fetid in that way for for no good reason, you know, for nothing you did. It's like, "Oh, it's your birthday." It's like, "Yeah." I know. So I always avoided it, but then um you know, when you have a kid, you can't avoid things like your birthday. Kids are interested in those things and and um my family likes to celebrate birthdays. So anyway, we've made it a tradition just in recent years that we go somewhere for my birthday and uh, typically, and we go as a family. So it's we're, it's not like we're going to Paris. We, we've we settled on the Oregon coast as the place mm-hmm. that we go for my birthday. And it's nice. I like the Oregon coast a lot. I like to get to go there. Um but this year the fires were raging, and so although the Oregon coast was not the most dangerous place to be in the country, it was like it was polluted and it was um, just a bummer. Yeah. But but uh, we had a you know we had a this house and on the coast and we all hunkered in there you know my mom and sister and. And uh, we did the thing that we, I guess, that I've been doing for six months now, which is just hunker down and make food all day. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it was, it was nice. I, it's hard to say that I need to relax more mm-hmm. because I don't, my life isn't exactly full of hard toil, but, it, I, but I did find it relaxing. Why, and, why, um, why do you feel like you don't need to relax more? I think everybody could always use to relax more. Yeah, I suppose that's true. You know, Dan, there's always a formulation in my mind, um, kind of judging whether or not I deserve nice things. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I get something like relaxation or even a nice meal, I kind of have to, I have to run the numbers on it to feel like, did I earn this? Do I deserve this? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know why that is. I mean, that's one of the major topics of all of these shows that we do. Why, why is that? And, and how, how, how can I do whatever work is necessary to stop thinking that way? But, um, but it was good. I mean, it's very upsetting that the fires, are raging out of control in the Northwest, although it's not unprecedented. They used to do this in the sixties. But it sucks. And in particular, 
this point in the in the timeline, this point in the in the twenty first century timeline, <laughs> right, it's yeah. like, do we need another thing? It's uh, it's been kind of shitty to mm-hmm. um, <coughs> to just feel like, well, can't have nice things. Yeah. How's it going down there in Texas? Are you guys uh, doing okay? It's one hundred eighteen degrees. I haven't been following your weather catastrophe. Oh no, lately. no, it's it's gotten much much cooler down here. Thankfully, it. <clears throat> yeah, it's it was it was pretty warm for a little while and then all of a sudden we had like it got cold, well, cold. It got cold, which meant yeah. it went into the 60s and uh and mm-hmm. then it's kind of stayed, you know, in the 80s right now. It's about 82 degrees according to the new widget on my iPhone running uh iOS 14 now. So it's 82 degrees and it's going to have thunderstorms. But I welcome, I welcome this. Anything that keeps it below 90 degrees is good. And I'm very happy if in this, in the seventies, if it stayed Mm in the seventies all year round, man, imagine that life speaking of relaxing and and feeling good. I think you're not wrong. I mean, I don't need it to be warmer. Yeah. I don't need it to be warmer than 75. And I don't need it to be colder than 70 degrees unless I want to do something special. And then I'll go, I'll go to that and do it. Oh, you want to, you want to go, you know, skiing, which I've never done. I'll go to the place where it's colder than that and I'll go skiing there. But for where I want to live, I, give me 72 degrees, 24, seven, 365, yeah. 72 windows. There's a place where that's possible. It's called. <laughs> Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, but the, the problem is that everybody wants to live there. Yeah. And so Santa Barbara is expensive and also intolerable. Intolerable because of the human beings that are there? Yes, or, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> oh, if there were no human beings in Santa Barbara? Oh, what a paradise. It's yeah. really lovely there. Yeah. Really nice. And even though even the humans, you know, you can't say... All of the humans in Santa Barbara are bad. There are some that are nice. Mm. I've met some I've met some very nice people that lived in the Santa Barbara region. Yeah. Uh, but, oof. Not most of them. No. No. I mean, that's a bummer. But that's how it always is, it, of course, because that's, you know, like, that's what everybody wants. It's funny, the yeah. older I get, the more I realize that most of the stuff I want is just the same that everybody, like, I used to think especially before we had like the internet and Twitter and Instagram, I used to think the stuff I wanted was kind of like unique. Like, Oh, I kind of want this thing. And like, no one else wants that thing or no one else knows about it. Sure. No one else wants it to be 75 degrees all day. (laughs) It's like, that's unique to Dan, you know, but no, guess what? Everybody, everyone. And that's why they all live in, like you said, Santa Barbara. And now they all want to live here. Everyone wants to live here now. Uh, everyone's uh, in Austin, here. Texas. Yeah. We got Joe Rogan. We've got $2 billion Apple campus. We've got Tesla. They all want to be here. They all want to be right here. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse in Austin. I've been here almost 10 years and I feel like I know, I know it pretty well now. There's a lot I don't know. Interesting that you led with Joe Rogan. Well, because he's the latest one. I went in, in, yeah. I mean, he's the latest, he's the big news here. Now oh, that I Joe see, Rogan is here I'll and he built, that. he apparently he bought some house out on Lake Travis 
and converted. I don't know if he's living in the house or if the house is just his studio. I don't know. But he converted one room of it into his new studio. And uh-huh. it is the worst looking studio I've ever seen. It looks like kind of like a bunker, which could be cool. Yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like who wouldn't like a bunker? But it's you not a like bunker. a bunker. It looks like a, a giant. It looks like a tube, like the inside of an airplane. The interior is painted red. So everything for and, and it curves, you know, just like an airplane, the walls curve right into the ceiling hmm. and it's all red. And it's this, it's almost, it's an, it's not a good red either, but it's all red. And because it's so, you're so close in and so tight, I mean, the, the most amateur TV or film student would tell you that the closer the, ob- the person or the object is to the background, the more flat the shot is going to look. And that's yeah. why even, even a basic YouTuber understands that you want the background to be blurred and that there can be bokeh involved. And, and the way you get that is by using a certain kind of lens and being a certain distance from the background behind you. And it creates that effect where the background is still visible, but it's softened. It's a little bit blurred. And this all happens with a good camera and a good lens. You can, you can get it with a cheap camera and a cheap lens and software too. Uh, But none of Mm. that is happening in his studio. And also the cameras that he's using are more in the camcorder kind of camera. So Mm. they don't give you that beautiful look that a, like a DSLR will give you. And you can Mm. get, I mean, it's not a money thing. He could have any equipment he wants. The guy's freaking rich. But he's using this equipment that it almost makes it look like cable access TV in a way. And I'm so disappointed because like he had this amazing opportunity to do something that really looks amazing and put all the rest of us to shame. But there's, you know, there's YouTubers with an $800 budget that have a better setup than he has. It's ponderous, man. I don't, I don't know if you've, uh, if you, if you're familiar with this and I can't remember now whether this is an experience that I had, uh, that I heard about firsthand from uh-huh. someone that I know that actually did this or whether this is something that I read about in a magazine, you know, there are some <laughs> of those things in, for the most part, I remember everything that ever happened, but there are a few of these where it's like, did I read about that oh, yeah. in a magazine or did I have, did I talk to the person that did that? But the story was that either a friend of mine or somebody that I read about in a magazine, <laughs> right? Uh, made a bunch of like very professional graphic art signs mm-hmm. that were meant for panhandlers, you know, like, Oh yeah. Please give, um, anything helps. Uh, just trying to get, uh, you know, just trying to get some room in a shelter or whatever tonight. Yeah. Uh, and, but done like really, really beautifully. And who knows this sound as I'm, as, as I'm relaying it, it sounds more and more like something I read about in a magazine, because if I, if this had been somebody that was a friend of mine doing this, I would have interrogated it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Like what they're, what they're, what, what the the long game on this was or like what the, what the artist's motivation was. 
but it, you know, it's the kind of pithy, uh, art. Although maybe this was my friend, Sean Wolf. No, I'm not sure. Anyway. So went around and gave these signs out to, uh, to the, pan- the panhandlers who stand by the freeway, uh, you know, entrances and exits with these signs. And so, you know, took away their old, you know, or, or traded their, um, their scrawled, you know, uh, um, signs and replaced them with these fantastic ones. And for not very long, the, uh, the homeless people in question or the panhandlers in question stood there with these signs and very, very quickly they flipped the signs over and scrawled a similar message, you know, in, in chicken scratch uh-huh. because they, they found that the, that the beautiful signs were not working uh-huh. and the scrawled, um, you know, like desperation looking signs. Right. I mean, well, they the, looked, they the looked gra- too good. They looked too good. Yeah. The, yeah. the graphic elements, um, <laughs> played a role. It was, it was messaging is what it was. It was yeah. messaging. And so Joe Rogan, if he, uh, if he probably, if he built a studio in his house that was professional and was tasteful mm-hmm. and was useful and made him look like, um, the bougie media person that he surely has become yeah. in his heart and soul, it's going to really send the wrong message to his legions mm-hmm. of herpaderps mm-hmm. who are like, whoa, there aren't even any TVs in there. You know, like he's not, it's messaging. He has to look, he has to look right. And for Joe Rogan to look right, it has to look wrong. You know, I mean, you might be on to something, but I think you're giving him too much, even too much credit. I think you're just giving him too much credit. I think it's, um, yeah, I just, I don't even, yeah, I just, well, I don't think, I don't think the panhandlers, uh, who threw away the nice signs and scrawled some old ones were like media experts. Yeah. I think they were just working on instinct. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably what's happening with Joe Rogan too. If somebody was like, Hey, you know, I'm sure that there was some consultant that was like, well, what if we did some sound, uh, you know, like we'll put in some nice soundboard here. We'll, 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 um, we'll get some, you know, we'll make sure the sight lines are all good. We'll set up a, set up a reality where if you're doing video, why do we all have to have headphones on and all be talking into RE 20 microphones? Like there's got to be a way with all the money in the world and this super confined space and these super low expectations that we could actually create a talk show that doesn't look like somebody standing there with a handy cam at a morning drive DJ booth. You know, it's a talk show is what he's doing. He doesn't need headphones on. I'm going to send you a picture of this. Tell me if you get that. Tell me when you get that. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Did I describe it sure right or not? Are you sure it's not a Winnebago? No, it's in a house. It's in a house. So I, yeah, it, 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 um, what, what we have here 
is a failure to communicate. Yes, I was going to finish that if you didn't. (laughs) What we really have is a failure of the imagination, right? He's He's doing a talk show, and he's no longer confined by... Like what he's built here is a teenage boy's version of what would be a cool place to do uh, a cool place to be a disc jockey. Mm -hmm. But Joe Rogan could have totally pivoted to the Johnny Carson show. He could have a desk. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he should have, he should have. Okay. Did I ever show you my weird Al Yankovic uh, interview that I did? Have I ever showed you that video? No. I haven't seen it. Okay. So back in, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look this up. It was at least a couple years ago. Um, one of my, my friend, uh, who, who, uh, started the company new relic that all the developers in the audience will know. Uh, they new relic had a conference or was part of a conference called the OpenStack conference, which is a super nerdy geeky conference that, uh, I don't think it's going on anymore, but it was in San Francisco and they needed someone to come and sort of moderate uh, and, and, and run a couple of their little panel discussions. And they said, Dan, would you do it? I said, of course, I would love to do that. That'd be amazing. I would love to do it. And they said, okay, you know, we'll fly out to San Francisco and put you up and you can come and do this and have fun. And I said, great. So a few days before I got there, uh, they said, uh, by the way, uh, we've got um, Weird Al and he's going to be doing a, a concert for the, you know, for the attendees. It's a private concert mm-hmm. just for the attendees. I said, well, that's, that's awesome. I love Weird Al. Weird Al, I started listening to him in the Dr. Demento show in the, you know, in the eighties. And he was sure, like, you're my, a Weird Al OG. He was my lifeline to the, he and, and Mark Mothersbaugh and Devo were like, they like spoke my language, you know? And, and so of course I would, that would be amazing. And they're like, well, no, 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 we, we want you to do something around that. And I said, Oh, like what? And he said, um, uh, they said, well, we can have, we, we, he can do an interview. And I said, what do you mean? They're like on stage, he will do an interview. We, we paid for that and we didn't even know that we're getting that, but we need you to interview him. I'm like, well, I would love to interview Weird Al. That's like a dream. That's the dream to interview Weird Al. Who wouldn't want to interview Weird Al? I'm like, well, it's in a day or two. I'm like, okay, I'll start preparing now. And they, and I said, uh, I said, how is this going to be? They're like, well, we think we'll just have the two of you sitting up, you know, like, like on a couple chairs on the stage. I said, no, I said, this has to look like the tonight show. It has to be like the tonight show. It has to have, I I said, I need, I need a wooden, a desk and I need two chairs and the chairs have to have a little table in between them. And, uh, you know, it has to, has, this has to look right. It has to be the, the real thing. And they said, uh, okay. And somehow they pulled out the stops and made this happen. So, there's this wonderful captured on video that I'm not allowed to share from the future stack conference, this wonderful interview that I did with weird Al, And, and because I mean, I know, you know, all this stuff as, you know, like as a performer, as an artist, that there are certain agreements around what can be shared. So this was supposed to be just for this audience and whatever they paid for it, it can't be shared or distributed. And the people that I knew that at the company are no longer there. And so I can't, I can't actually get any information. Like, am I allowed to, to show it now? Am I allowed to do anything with it now? I don't think so, but it's super frustrating because there's this great interview, but it's like, you're saying like, why would Joe Rogan not have done this? It, you know, it's not a budget thing. 
uh, he could have any any desk that he that he wanted to have, you know. And did you um, want to be a DJ when you were little? God, was no, that I, a thing? No, I wanted to host a I wanted to host a a, a TV talk show. Even when you were uh, even when you were in high school, I'm not talking about like oh when you're a kid and what do you want to do for uh, in no, your like dream the, job? I, like, I went I went and majored in um in RTV or what we used to call RTV RTF radio TV film that that was my major for part of college because that's what I wanted to do. I sent you a picture yeah, well, of, of the stage. It was uh <clears throat> it was mine too. I, I I always forget that there were two different times in my life when I actually. I guess could be described as taking radio and television production as a in high school and in college two two different times where I felt like oh, maybe I'll maybe that'll be my major it never it never was but I but I took the I took took some steps down that path but the point point is that at least and it may maybe the age difference between us Dan but mm. I actually went to radio stations in Anchorage and in Spokane mm -hmm. with my resume <laughs> and applied for jobs as like a DJ mm -hmm. thinking that that was probably the greatest job that you could have as a, as a college well, guy. Because you love, you love the music. I was, I loved music, but I was, I didn't want to do music. I wanted to, to do a talk show. I wanted to do what, what we're doing right now. I wanted to do that. And well, and I ended up having a a, a talk show that's awesome on the on the radio in Spokane, um, and it was called it was called Talk Soup. <laughs> uh, I didn't name it. It was a talk show that existed already, uh -huh. and they needed a host. And um, it was on it was a college radio. Mm -hmm. uh, I did Talk Soup, and I remember thinking um, that there kind of wasn't a better world than, than talk soup. You know, it was going to be like, um, uh, it, it, it was the, ex it, it, it pushed the boundaries of my imagination for what, you know, for, for my life at the time Yeah, to have, to be able to have a radio show and talk soup was a, was a late night show. And it was basically this, I would go sit in, in the radio station and we did bits and we would have people come in for interviews and, um, it was terrible. I was terrible at it and it was terrible, but it was the, it was, it, 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 um, it set, it set the stage in a certain way. Like I got to, I got to, um, I got accustomed to the idea of, uh, to the idea that there was there was a whole branch of media that was just people sitting around a, a, an unlo an unlovely environment, which every radio station booth is. They're mm -hmm. not. It's they're, they're never nice in there. No, you're surrounded by machines. You're wearing headphones. There's mics on booms. All radio stations look the same. Exactly the, the ones same. where the ones where people try to decorate them or make them comfortable. The ones where, you know, the DJ is like, this is my studio. They're just awful. They're, they're, they look exactly the same except worse. And I imagine that Joe Rogan is just, he, it's the same way. He was formed out of the mud <laughs> in an era where that's what, that's what media looked like. And it's, it would be impossible for him to have the imagination to, 
because th- this is the problem with the with the Carson's show set, which is that's all of that's what we dream of. The Carson's show. I wanted to host the Carson show, but you know, there's no reason that it needs to be a desk and two chairs. Like every single person in media right now could be doing their show from Victoria Falls. I mean, if they could, if they could get a visa, which they can't, but you know, I, we could be doing the show, um, kind of from anywhere from inside a moving car, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, there's no reason why we're can, why I'm sitting at this desk other than that. I don't, that I haven't used any, uh, like imaginative power to, to put myself and this show in a different context. I mean, how much background noise would be acceptable to our listeners? Um, if the, if the payoff was that I did the show, I did my shows while I was walking. Mm-hmm. Like I could be doing this show and walking. Sure. I could be, I could do six miles every week during road work. And it's not like I would be breathing hard. It's just, there'd be some background noise. There'd be some birds passing cars every once in a while. Would that sound to the listeners unprofessional? It probably would. Yeah. It probably would not sound as good. It wouldn't sound, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be appearing, you know, in their ear holes in quite the same way. Right. We would like to say thank you very much to Mint Mobile. You know what? Breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier. Thanks to Mint Mobile. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. Let that sink in for a second. Unlimited plan, 30 bucks a month. How much is your soon-to-be ex-wireless provider charging you? I bet it's... A lot more than that. You know, for people that hate their phone bill, that's me, and are ready to cut ties with big wireless, Mint Mobile has set up this new plan. Like I said, 30 bucks a month. You're going to go online only, so you're going to eliminate all the traditional costs of retail. Mint Mobile passes these savings on to us, the consumers, right? And all plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You can keep your same phone number, your existing contacts, the whole deal. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered. They've got a seven-day money-back guarantee. That's plenty of time to know if you're going to like it or not. You probably will. So break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. And I have tried this and it is great. I was, you know, I don't, I live in Austin, Texas, so I have, you know, you would think decent coverage. I have great coverage with Mint Mobile. I was not sure what to expect. They say it's going to be great. It is great. It's as good or better than anything I've ever used around here. And I think it will be for you too. And you're going to save so much money in the process. They send you a nice little kit. It's got your little SIM card in there. You pop that thing in and you're good to go. It's awesome. And to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month, ship to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash roadwork. It's just spelled like you would think, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E, mintmobile.com slash roadwork. Go there and cut your unlimited wireless bill to just 30 bucks a month. Thanks very much to Mint Mobile for making this show possible. But people watch the Joe Rogan show, right? It's like television. Yes, I, I, I would think, 
I don't know if, uh, I don't think most people do, but I think many people do. Dan, what is the Joe Rogan show? Yeah. What is the Joe Rogan show? Is he, is he a conservative or is he just like, um, is he, a uh, like, I don't know much about history. I don't know about science book, but here's some fun, some funny jokes about hot dogs. Like I've never heard the show and I don't know how to fit it into the, I don't know how to fit it into the architecture of the modern world. That's a good I question. The, Is he conservative? I think, I think so. I don't know for sure. I don't, I'm only, I don't really listen to or watch the show except there's a YouTube channel. I guess it's their YouTube channel also. That's called, uh, because it's called the Joe Rogan Experience, I think is the name. So it's called JRE Clips, where they will show a clip from an interview with an interesting person. So I will occasionally watch uh, or, or, you know, watch those on YouTube and it'll show like the highlights of the interview with Elon Musk when he came on or whatever. And, you know, I'll watch those. So I don't really know what the rest of the show is all about. The dude that used to be the sidekick to the dude that was the sidekick to Ben Stein when Ben Stein had Ben Stein's money. It's a, it was like a cascading set of sidekicks. Who was Ben King? Ben, uh, wasn't, it ben Jimmy Kim, wasn't it Jimmy Kimmel that okay. was there? Right. So Jimmy Kimmel was Ben Stein's sidekick. He was great on that show, by the yeah, way. Yeah. I think it was, that was top, top shelf, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh-huh. And then Jimmy Kimmel started a show with some other dude where girls jumped on tampering. A man or, or show. The man show, and then that dude, second sidekick dude, who was that? The that was Adam Carolla, who's a huge Adam Carolla, right? Also. And then he's got some kind of radio show where he's a conservative. Is that right? Adam Carolla is, you know, I don't. Again, I don't really know exactly. I remember him from the Man Show, but then he also was on Loveline with Drew Pinsky for a long time. That was for like ten years. Loveline. Love line. Were they giving love advice? Yeah. Yeah. From Adam Carolla? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was mainly from Drew Pinsky. I see. But I'm not sure if they're conservative or not, because I don't, that's not like, I don't watch those things. But I don't these care. Guys, I don't care. I, you couldn't, I couldn't be less interested in, in what those people think about politics. It's they're and these guys are like major, they're major media stars, right? I mean, they're yeah. making millions of dollars. Yeah. But that yeah. doesn't mean they know anything about politics. I get all my politics from you, John. I, I That's hope you it. didn't think I was suggesting that they knew anything about no. politics. <laughs> well, I'm just being clear. I get all of my politics from you. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's, and I think a lot of people should mm-hmm. get all their politics only from me. Mm-hmm. But as far as like those dudes and what their what kind of media that is and what they represent i mean they present themselves as like fun friendly dudes mark, mark Marin and i have to say i've never heard any of these shows <clears throat> I'm, I'm just going on as kai russell likes to say just because i don't know anything about it doesn't mean i won't talk about it but Marin presents himself as grouchy from from the start right he's kind yeah. of like he doesn't he doesn't pretend to be likable. No. Um, whereas the other two dudes, Corolla and uh, Joe Rogan, 
they're they do that like um fake edgy thing but they really just want to be liked right they're just they're like your fun friend who's not afraid to say how things really are they're that guy am i right yeah i think i think so and the world the world now is populated by media figures who are trying to be your fun friend (laughs) yeah and i guess that's what carson was carson was just our fun friend all yeah. we wanted to do when we watched the Carson show was just hang out with those guys and have Don Rickles ashes cigarette in our, in our bourbon drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not, I guess nothing's changed. It's just that Carson was our sophisticated fun friend and there are no sophisticated people anymore. Am I, am I right about that? Are there no sophisticated right people? No, there are none. Who was the last sophisticated person? If you think about it, Conan O'Brien, very definitely, although probably personally a sophisticated person, you know, at some level, the appeal of his show or what he thought was the appeal of his show was that he was not a sophisticated, or it was not a sophisticated show. Right. That well, that was his, that his, his shtick was we're on cable TV and this is, you know, this is just a, this is a joke kind of thing. Even though you could tell he took it very serious, and does take it very seriously, the whole, he he was well, very he was very self aware of the fact that he had had the Tonight Show and was fired from the Tonight Show and was now doing a late night talk show on cable TV. But that gave him the freedom to do the the wacky, funny, silly, weird things that he had done on the Late Show, couldn't do on the Tonight Show, but now could do even more because this was his playground. And so I agree with you in that he was sophisticated in real life, but was able to, to do play a role where he is, he isn't or wasn't. Right. Right. And Jay Leno also his version of the tonight show was that he was an unsophisticated guy. And this was going to be just plain folks having plain folk, He's a down, he's a down to earth regular guy who just happens to have you know fifty of the most famous perfect mint cherry classic cars in the world in his garage and his multi million dollar estate. It's he's a regular guy though. Sure, he's a he's a rich guy, but he's a regular guy. Yeah, but I'm talking about in terms of like um, like Dick Cavett did not at all pretend to be a regular guy. No, right. And Dick I, Cavett, I admired him for that too. Yeah. His version. I mean, but that version of television was, and that version of American culture was, um, one where the people on screen, I mean, even Dean Martin, who was drunk, um, was witty and, and well-dressed and clearly occupying a world that was not regular or plain or just folks <laughs> or available you know, Dean, to us in any way. <laughs> well, right. And D- Dean was, and all the, all those people were, I mean, they were, I mean, even Don Rickles who was, um, not sophisticated in the sense of it. Don Rickles did not take the stage and say like, um, come with me on a journey to a faraway place. Mm-hmm. He was very rooted in the, in the, um, in the here and now, but he was not, he at the same time was not presenting himself as a, 
a working class hero. You know what I mean? Like Don Rickles, his humor was not like, I'm so relatable. I'm just, I'm just a regular guy who's just like you. Don Rickles's humor, all the, all the humor then was, um, even when it was, even when it was lowbrow, mm-hmm. it was aspirational in a way. And Letterman. Oh, the best. Although Letterman was, um, Letterman was not pretending to be, uh, like a, like a downtown guy. Letterman was, his whole thing was like, I'm a, an anarchist from Indiana Mm -hmm. kind of, Mm -hmm. but Letterman wasn't trying to be your friend. You wanted him to be your friend, but he wasn't trying to be your friend. Letter, that's the, the great thing about the Letterman show was you wanted Letterman to be your friend. He did not want to be your friend. And no. that was exactly the vibe of Carson too, right? I mean, yes. Carson, you kind of felt like maybe he could pretend to be your friend in a way that Letterman never would. But post Jay Leno, you got all these guys that are, I mean, it, it, it started this. Leno's the the fountainhead of this genre of of dude media dudes who I mean Joe Rogan actually wears like a car mechanic jacket, doesn't yeah, he? Have yeah, I am I, I wrong so. about this? No, that sounds right. And if you think about if you think about uh John Stewart, John Stewart also you want him to be your friend, but he doesn't want to be yours, right? John Stewart is sophisticated. He's got sophisticated humor. He's not trying to be your bro at all. So there's there there still were until recently media figures that were um that weren't pandering to our to, uh, that weren't that weren't just trying to make us feel less lonely, you know. And I, and right. I, I really feel like so many of these dudes are just like, Hey man, will nobody talk to you? I'll talk to you, bro. Like, you know, just like pull up a chair and let me just, I'm just going to talk about the things that you want to talk about. <laughs> and it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a kind of an unprecedented genre, at least in my lifetime that, that 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 would have even been identified as a demographic that wasn't already catered to with sports. Mm-hmm. Like that's what sports are supposed to do. Hey man, do you want you just want to like relax and just talk about some stuff? Like let's just talk about it. And what we're going to talk about is getting this ball over the end end zone. <laughs> it's like the it's like it's like the <laughs> sports culture that isn't about sports. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. That, that's what I always felt watching the Jay Leno show. It was just like, can we just like stop pretending that we're talking about anything but sports and just talk about sports here? Because Jay Leno talking to a starlet about her new movie, he just wants to be talking about sports. Yeah. He, or cars, you yeah. know? I'm not a big Leno fan, really. That's not a thing. For me, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we don't have to worry about that anymore because there is no Leno. Yeah. Leno is Leno is um Leno is is now Leonard Leno splintered into Joe Rogan and um the other guy that we're Adam Carolla. Yeah. And all the others, all the many, many others. Yeah, goodbye. There's just not enough of an audience for whatever version of talking about sports you and I are doing. Like it's it, it's um it's not scratching a, a wide enough itch. We need to find a way to to widen the itch we can scratch, Dan. Yeah. And I I don't know whether it's that you and I are personally off putting. Me and for you. most people. Well, yeah, we have yeah. to be, there has to be a reason. It's not like, it's not like our show is hard to find. I think it's that we're personally off-putting. No. I think that people listen and they, and a lot of people go, oh, no, no, no. I can't, just the sounds of their voices, I can't. No. I'm going no, to go, the, these other people have nicer, different voices, nicer voices. No, I think, um, I, and you have a, an excellent singing voice, I must say. So maybe you should sing. Hmm. Maybe instead of speaking, you should sing your thoughts and responses, and 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 people would jo- would listen for that. Well, no. If 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 my singing voice was some kind of magic elixir, then I would have sold more record albums. No, I think the voice. I think it's something in the voice that. Um, no. Nah. I oh, realized yeah, something I last week. What's that? Uh, what? <clears throat> well, you and I talked about um, my house project, and I kind of. You know, I described this problem in finding tile. Oh, we have a lot and of feedback I, about the tile for the um, for the post show. Yeah. Well, what was interesting about it was that <clears throat> what I didn't what I didn't talk about on the show was that after months and months of this kind of um, this very difficult road, I have recently. Um, found tile made the decisions uh you know i had i had already turned a corner on it mm-hmm. and after we did that show last week i was just inundated with responses from people um and not not responses like hey here's a link to home depot but but people with tremendous resources, people writing saying like, hi, I'm an architect and an interior designer or hi, I, you know, I also was on a years long mission to find the right tile. There was a a couple of people wrote from Europe, like, Oh, in Europe we have these tiles and we could probably source them for you. And links and links and links resources, uh, that were all very thoughtful. And a lot of people, you know, prefaced it by saying like, I don't want to be the person that's sending you a link to something that you've already seen, but, but here's, you know, here's like my take on it. And a lot of some stuff I had seen, but a lot of stuff that was like, wow, what a good idea. There was somebody that said, why don't you buy unglazed tile and go to the university of Washington and talk to the ceramics professor and get like ceramicists, graduate students who can't attend class right now to make your own personal tile. And I was like, what these are amazing ideas. And what I realized was that I didn't tell the story of the tile when it was ongoing. Right. You, t- you kind of told it later. I told it later. Yeah. 
And I told it later because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot all week because I keep getting these emails and these messages from people and I'm like, wow, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. The tile that I ended up getting was tile that I had custom made by a tile company that makes custom tile for Mm -hmm. vintage style. And it was expensive and it was excruciating and, um, and you know, wore me down. So all these links that people are sending to me and all these ideas, I'm not having that thing where I'm just slapping myself on the face because I ended up going with Home Depot tile and now (laughs) I've got 50 people showing me the way. Yeah. Like I did pursue a path where I spent a lot of money and got, um, and got the tile that I want. And, and so I'm, I'm super grateful to everybody, but I, I'm real. I realized a couple of things. And one of them is that, that we have a, a great diversity of listeners. And if I were capable of coming to the internet with my actual problems in real time and saying back in January, Oh man, I got a, I want this kind of tile. I can't find it. I've tried a few places and it doesn't exist. I wonder if anybody has any resources and then was able to deal with the 50 emails I got and, and pick a path like that would have been very different. Yeah. And a, a very different relationship to my, to, you know, my audience, our listeners, a very different way of thinking about what we're doing as broadcasters. Like, Hey, crowdsource this for me, everybody. And what I realized is that I couldn't have done that in January or February or March. Right. Because I was embarrassed by my, um, by my indecisiveness and embarrassed by the, the emotional tangle I was in and would have been ashamed to talk about it and to go on the internet and ask for help. And it was only after it had it had gone through its uh, its personal arc in in my life all, after it had wreaked havoc throughout my life, or I had I I had done it in, uh, having conjured the orb of this problem and the orb floating through electrocuting things. I was only able to talk about it after it had converted into a story mm-hmm. because it, it only became a story when, when the end was clear and the end was only clear when I had finally ordered the tile and the tile had started to arrive and then I could cast back on it and try and learn from it or tell the story with me as kind of the dupe at the center of it. Um, but I, you know, I, <clears throat> I can only think of, of, of episodes like that in my life. Once I have, once I've lived through them and can, and storified them in the present moment of them, I'm, I'm way too emotionally raw 
And honestly, if I had talked about it in June and had gotten those 50 emails from people, I don't know if I would have opened them. You know, like the, the, the problem is more, it's so much more convoluted than just that I couldn't find the, the link to the thing. Yes. But the, but this whole process of the past week of, of, of opening these extremely helpful emails where people are very generously kind of tiptoeing around me in, in that they're like, Hey, just wanted to say, I'm not trying to, you know, fuck with your head. And I hope that this is cool, but I, you know, it made me think of this or this is what, how I solved the problem or have you thought of this? Um, and just each one of these, and and, not, and, I, and I don't feel that they are um, that taken together. They're all. I, I'm not. I don't think of those those emails as some group of people as much as each one of them I see as an individual person who is trying to help me. Um, and I'm and I'm incredibly incredibly grateful, but I don't know how to respond. Because, because all it's doing is showing me that I wasn't asking for help. I was, I was telling the story of something that had, that I could only tell after I was past the point where I, where anybody could help me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when, when my house got broken into however many years ago, because I thought there was a possum in the wall and I talked to Merlin about it, I only talked to Merlin about it nine months later after the whole thing had resolved itself. Right. And for nine months, I walked around every day convinced that there were burglars, you know, like scoping my house and that somebody was using my passport, um, and I could never have talked about it with Merlin because it was an open wound. But to the listeners, you know, I just sound like I'm just normal John having a normal day that whole time. Mm-hmm. Just like I have been with you for the past nine months, just, just dealing with the coronavirus or whatever. And then as soon as I get off the computer, I'm back in this hell of trying to figure out how to fix my house and how to get it going. Like if I were to talk about what's going on with me right now. Yeah. The contractor, like the lead carpenter quit four days ago, um, quit his job working for my main contractor and the company that made the stone that the bathtub needs to sit in, which was never my design idea, but was a thing that everyone insisted was necessary. The company that made the stone relocated during the process of cutting the stone from one place to another. And in the relocation, their business has come off the rails and no one can get them on the phone. I've paid them and they have, I think, the cut stone waiting somewhere, but the installers can't be, um, the installers can't be found and the people aren't answering their phone. My contractor is, you know, is bad at managing. And so he had, uh, one of his employees after the main guy quit, 
come into the house to finish some plumbing and that employee installed the tub without the stone being there. So put the tub in and plumbed it. Doesn't the but, stone need to be there first? Yes. And okay. you can't, you can't put the, you can't put the stone in after the fact the right. tub sits on the right. stone. And this is a thing waiting for this stone, picking the stone and waiting for the stone has been also a months long process. And now I finally picked the stone. I forced the contractor to go with me to the stone yard mm. and stand there because right. he was like, you know, pick a stone and get back to me. And I was like, you come with me. I'm not going to just go pick a stone out of 500,000 stones. And I got it and I got paid for it. I got it cut. And then his guy installs the tub with no stone there. So now he's got to take the tub out in order to install the stone. But the company that made the stone is, is, is a, uh, a wall. So that's so frustrating. That's where I am right right today and i have no idea whether having said that that they're gonna well, i'm gonna get emails from people that are like i'm actually a stonemason and a tub installer and i think it's entirely possible but like i can barely talk about it i can barely get that out because i don't know the end and if i don't know the end i can't i can't tell the story and and i don't know and i don't I don't, I, it's not, it's not about entertainment. I don't know another way to process my own experience and life other than to, other than to, to adopt the role of the narrator, re retelling the, retelling the quest with myself as kind of the, uh, the certainly the protagonist, but a protagonist that is kind of a dope. And I'm not sure why that is the, um, why is that the, my interface? You know, why is that how I, how I think of my own life? It's not just, I'm not doing it for the sake of podcasting. I'm the reason I podcast is because this is how I already was processing my own experience. Right. And always was, uh, I was a good storyteller in 11th grade and it was because I was already processing life this way it, as a, everything I saw, everything I read, every conversation I had, they were all inputs that went into this machine that was trying to make sense of the world by, by converting it into stories and songs. And, and, and I'm still, you know, and I'm doing it and it wouldn't be noticeable to me if it weren't for moments like this, where I was like, I told that story as though, um, as though it were two and a half months ago mm -hmm. because the bathrooms aren't actually finished. The tile isn't actually here. It's all on order. It's sitting on it's sitting on somebody's workbench somewhere. It's on pallets like that. Like, but the, but the, but I'm, I'm past the decisions. It's very weird 
for me to 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 realize that I'm processing I'm processing my experiences in a certain way and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what it would be like to not be uh, to to not think in terms of story to just I mean there are people my daughter is one who's just living in the now not thinking about how it all fits together um and and is there a way to is there a way to to modify it somehow so that it's uh, so that it's a more successful program for me personally you know is there a way to live better if i was able to ask for help you know i got a lovely um message from tiffany arment marco's uh wife and better half mm -hmm. who said hey i uh i also am a real stickler for tile and i worked real hard to get the tile right and here's a picture of the of my incredible bathroom where i just decided that i was gonna do everything i was gonna instead of making the choice between 15 different <laughs> tiles i was just gonna use all 15 and it looked fantastic and it was very it was very individual and very um you know it's very her and i wish that for the last six months i'd just been talking to her about it like tell me more about your tile journey that's really wanted what i wanted to hear from people Tell me more about your tile journey. I said to my mom the other day, the only stories I want to hear from people right now are stories of how hard it was for them to fix their house. <laughs> I don't want to hear people's, I don't want to hear stories of people's success. I don't want to hear stories. I, the last thing I want is to hear stories from people that had a great experience with their contractor and it came in, you know, early and under budget. I just want to hear like fix up your house nightmare stories from people who are on the other side of it now and are doing great. The people that are like for a year and a half, I was in hell and now I'm in my house and it's great, but it costs way more than I thought it was going to. And it was totally a nightmare. But, um, and let me tell you all the terrible things that happened. Like, that's what I want to hear from people. Uh, because I want to commiserate and I want to not feel like such a dummy.